traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Dr. Tara Couch with EAS Consulting, where she serves as Senior Director for Dietary Supplement and Tobacco Services. Dr. Couch is a PhD analytical organic chemist with over 25 years of diverse laboratory and regulatory experience in academic field contract and manufacturing environments. Tara serves on various industry committees for the Council for Responsible Nutrition, Consumer Healthcare Products Association, and the Food Drug Law Institute. She's also active in the American Herbal Products Association. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Boy, there's an association for everything, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I always feel old when somebody reads off all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's learn. Let, let's learn more about you. You've got uh, well, obviously, you have a PhD. So let's let's learn more about your background and experience uh, before before moving anywhere near cannabis. <laughs> Um, well, I, uh, yes, I'm a PhD analytical organic chemist. So I come from the laboratory um, and regulatory environment and started in uh, academia for um, 
quite a few years and then moved into manufacturing environment of pharmaceuticals and dietary supplements. Then I went into um, consulting a number of years later. And um, in, in that space, I, I am live in the state of Colorado. And Colorado, of course, was the first state to pass, um, you know, legislation for allowing cannabis products uh, within the state. So I had some colleagues that went into the cannabis industry. And as I went into consulting, I began assisting them also um, developing quality systems and making sure that they would consistently manufacture products to a specification. Um, obviously in, in lieu of any sort of regulations because Colorado kind of got ahead of itself first voting it in and then suddenly had to come up with some regulations. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So with with the work you've done before and you're still active with the American Herbal Products Association, there's some crossover, obviously. I, mean, I think it's easy for most listeners to go, oh, herbal products, oh, cannabis. Right. You know, there's some similarities, but I'm, I'm guessing your work in in those fields i mean what's the regulatory environment like there and like what kinds of things did you work on there well i'm actually at, at eas i'm responsible for three different areas so i'm responsible for dietary supplements um, tobacco and um, cannabis and of course i have background in pharmaceuticals as well so, so i'm kind of in lots of different spaces and each area is, is quite different um, so uh, on the dietary supplement side, uh, which is the one like you said, which is you know clearly the one that people can think is most relatable usually um, to cannabis, at least in terms of the ingredient itself. Um, we got uh, regulations from the FDA underneath the, the uh, Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act back in 1997. So it was. Uh, excuse me, 1994, quite some time ago. Mm. And then in uh, 2007, the FDA issued good manufacturing practice regulations. So 14 years later, that happened. So the industry has been dealing with them for now 10 plus years and um, getting adjusted to that. But the dietary supplement industry has just ballooned um, since, the pass since the passage of the good manufacturing practice regulations mm. uh, that dictate how they manufacture. So it's, it's been a challenge um, to see how the uh, industry is handling that. We had the reputation of being the wild, wild west, which we had earned. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, people are starting to come into compliance with that. And actually on the tobacco side, uh, tobacco didn't come underneath the regulation of the FDA until 2009 huh. um, with the package of the Tobacco Control Act um, or the TCA. And that was uh, initially for cigarettes and smokeless tobacco products. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016, so much more recently, was extended to all of these other new products, um, often referred to as ENDS, electron electronic nicotine delivery systems, e-cigarettes, mm -hmm. uh, salts, hookah, cigars, all this other stuff was also came underneath that same act in 2016. So they have not gotten yet good manufacturing practices from the FDA, so are awaiting those. So they're sort of in that space that the dietary supplement world was in that 14 year gap. <laughs> gotcha. um, so people are trying to come up with, um, you know, something to, to put together in a, a quality type of system that would be consistent with the GMP. And then you have cannabis that, you know, from the FDA's perspective, having uh, CBD in products or any of the 
you know, cannabinoids in a, in a product can't, can't happen in a food or dietary supplement. There's just right now totally illegal. So they're kind of mm -hmm. behind. So dietary supplements was first and then tobacco and then, you know, hopefully cannabis in the next few years that the FDA will do something uh, with uh -huh. that. So all three yeah. are very, di very dynamic, but at different points in their yes. regulatory life cycle, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah, very holistic uh, background to be able to bring to a very unique industry like ours, the cannabis industry, where it is a wellness product, but it's also a fun product. And it's, you know, it's some, you know, regulated like alcohol, but not exactly, you know, we're, we're kind of unique. So with all that background you have, I think you mentioned some of your colleagues had started to move into cannabis. What was your reason for making that shift and really sparking your interest to take it professionally? Well, like I said, I had, um, I live here in Colorado. And so, you know, obviously the industry was, was huge right away. Mm -hmm. um, and making sure that um, products are made with quality expectations because a lot of people jumped into the market, you know, that really had no idea of how to um, make a product that's going to be ingested by somebody mm -hmm. and make sure that that's safe and didn't even honestly think about some of those things. Um, but then you had people on the other side of that that came from pharmaceuticals or from dietary supplements that did want to bring those in, you know, those good practices into the world of making those products. So it was kind of a kind of crazy in the beginning. So um, I began helping because, you know, that's just something I'm really good at is getting into a facility and then helping them build good systems to make sure that they consistently manufacture product to their quality standard. Excellent, excellent. Um, so we're definitely going to take a deeper dive into <laughs> good manufacturing practices later in the right. show. Um, right. But where we're at now, you're with the company EAS Consulting, you're a member of NCIA, obviously COVID this last year, 2020, and, and still today is kind of impacting everything everywhere. Um, but what's your company focused on this year? And what, what are you really doing going forward? Well, yeah, 2020 has been a, a crazy year in every aspect, right? But um, as a consulting firm, you know, EAS specializes in all FDA regulated areas. So not just my three, um, dietary supplements, tobacco, and, and, and of course the cannabis area, but also foods, pharmaceuticals, medical device, uh, veterinary products, cosmetics. So we really work in all those spaces. So um, when COVID uh, hit, Obviously, um, travel was restricted. We do a lot of travel to go visit our clients um, and respond to the enforcement actions that the FDA has taken. If the FDA can't get out and do um, inspections of facilities and do enforcement, then there's nothing to react to, right? Mm -hmm. so, uh, so it's been... Um, quite a roller coaster year for us. Um, that said, you know, now with technology, you can do a lot of things remotely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we've managed to adjust to that. So there was kind of a lull for, for a bit, but um, uh, clients mm -hmm. have 
adjusted to that. And uh, I actually just this last fall went through a series of um, numerous um, virtual audits that I did uh, for clients all over the world. And sometimes that meant I was starting the audit at 2 a.m. my time. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, we've managed to make those things work. And instead of doing in-person trainings, we've done uh, virtual trainings. And of course, we use a lot of uh, internet type of tools to you know mm -hmm. work with clients and make sure that the quality isn't lost during all of this. I mean now more than ever it's it's so important that you know the products that people are taking are safe and you know people are so concerned about their health for good reason. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I know I feel like I used to get on an airplane like five times a month and now, now I'm just on five Zoom calls a day. So I know I had just made global services <laughs> the year before. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, let's take our first commercial break and we'll come back to chat more with Dr. Couch. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 gardens garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, talking with Dr. Tara Couch from EAS Consulting. So as we hinted before the break, good manufacturing practices, GMPs, uh, those systems are becoming a serious topic in the cannabis industry. Our committees are definitely focusing on it a lot, writing blogs, uh, webinars, being on even on this podcast as well, it's come up many, many times. Um, it, and, you know, thinking of applying it to so many areas of our very now highly complex industry, I think it's important for us to get ahead before federal legalization. Um, and, and we'll get into that into the next question. But back to GMPs. Let's talk more about that. So GMPs are good manufacturing practices. So these are the regulations that are issued and enforced by the FDA to control and supervise companies that manufacture, package, hold, and distribute foods, drugs, and cosmetics to the public. Um, so the FDA issues these for all of the industries, 
um, as we were discussing earlier. So we're, we're awaiting those for tobacco, um, but they they administer this, and this this is their means of controlling the the operations that take place at a facility. The FDA's perspective is that a robust quality system that's designed to meet these GMPs addresses their goal of protecting the public health to ensure that manufacturers provide consistent high quality products to consumers um, and reduce the number of recall returns um, or potentially defective products getting onto the marketplace in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it really is a system of um, procedures and, uh, and, and systems um, that require extensive documentation, mm -hmm. a lot of training and um, forethought before everything is done and documenting everything that you do. We, we jokingly call uh, GMPs, uh, get more people, get more paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, since I'm in Colorado, my favorite is giant mountains of paper. So. Oh, gosh, giant mountains of paper. Yes. I mean, documentation is definitely one of those tedious, tedious things uh, that not many people enjoy doing unless you're one of those people that loves spreadsheets. But uh, <laughs> and, and totally. a GMP world is a, is a different world because you have to write down everything that you do at the time that you do that. Um, and, and if you've not been in that world before, it's, it's very jarring and, and different in the beginning, mm -hmm. but once you're used to that, you can't imagine not doing that, you know, so mm. I've been doing this for now nearly 30 years or more, I think. Um, and I, I still like will error code if I ever write a check, I still and make an error on it. I would still error code it initial and date it and explain the error. <laughs> I mean, but this is the process that you use in a GMP world. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it, it helps for historical purposes, among many, many reasons. So right. um, in, in, in these areas of good manufacturing practices, legally speaking, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, for instance, the FDA specifically isn't yet involved in cannabis. Uh, it's not federally legal, but we, we know that's coming. Toothpaste is out of the tube, whatever phrases we like to say. Um, but hence the importance of getting ahead of this, like I was mentioning before. What else should we be considering here from, from the FDA that's already established, already required, even though we, the cannabis industry, are not yet underneath those rules, we're not being held to them, there's certainly things we can work with right now. Is that right? Absolutely. So um, as I mentioned, there are GMPs for um, all of the regulated industries that the FDA has purview over. Um, the ones that are probably most applicable to the cannabis industry just in general are the dietary supplement um, good manufacturing practices, practice regulations. But as I said, it, it depends on the product. So there are GMPs for foods, there are GMPs for dietary supplements, and there are GMPs for cosmetics, although the, they are a guidance document. Um, but there are different sets for different types of products. So the cannabis products um, and the regulation that would apply could very easily fit into the appropriate category. So whether you're selling a, a gummy or a tincture, you know, that as a dietary supplement type product, then the dietary supplement regulation would come into play. If you're selling a brownie um, or uh, a juice drink or something, then the food 
regulations would come into play. So that's the way the SDA has things set up. So we have things, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have things that we can utilize. Overall though, the um, regulations in the dietary supplement, um, they were issued as they mentioned previously in 2007. They went into effect for all size companies for dietary supplements in 2010. So that gives us a very good idea of you know how they've progressed, the companies have progressed in that area. Um, and you know we can learn some lessons from what they've learned, um, the dietary supplement industry has learned over the last 10 years. So, and, mm -hmm. and remarkably, um, or, you know, maybe not surprising, depending on your perspective, I, I, I suppose, um, the same issues have occurred for all of the last 10 years that the FDA has been keeping track of the enforcement, um, the enforcement of the dietary supplement GMPs. And one of the big issues has been specif setting specifications and then testing to those specifications. So what a specification is, is when you go to make a product, any kind of product, um, you want to meet certain criteria and you want to make certain label claims and you want to make, you know, state that your product might be, for example, you know, gluten free or something like that. Right. So whatever those claims are going to be that you want to make about the product and what you want the product to be would be dictated on this specification. And then you do testing in accordance to that test specification to make sure that, in fact, you're meeting that. Um, you tend to think about that on the finished product side, which is true, but there's actually specifications that are built throughout the GMP process. So your incoming material would have a raw material specification that you would have to make sure that incoming material would meet those requirements and you would do testing and examinations to verify that that's the case. And then as you make the product during the manufacture and during the packaging process, um, you would also have in-process specifications built throughout that process, depending on what that dosage form, those could be very different types of tests and examinations, but it's really built throughout the entire process. In that process, and of course, it has to be documented. It wouldn't be get more paper. <laughs> it didn't require documentation. So there is a requirement for what's referred to as a master manufacturing record or an MMR. Um, and that is basically the recipe with the formulation of how you're going to go about making it. So I would say think about like making a cake, right? So, so you look at the recipe and it tells you exactly what it is that you're supposed to do to, to make that. It tells you all the ingredients that you need, how much of each one of those that you need, and all the steps in the process. That's mm -hmm. basically an MMR. Obviously, it's more detailed than that, but that's basically what the MMR is about. Um, then you have to take that into what's called a batch production record. So every time you actually make a lot of product or a batch of product, then you document that I did all of these steps. So again, here's where we're writing everything down. Mm -hmm. So you'd basically have a large blank form that has the instructions and then you would fill in, yes, I baked it at 300 degrees for 15 minutes, you know? And then, so you would document all of those steps of the process and that's actually executed in that batch production record. So those, that's the second um, biggest observation that we see. Specifications and testing is the, is the biggest one. And then the second category is that MMR, BBR, and making sure that meets requirements. In 21 CFR 111, which are the Code of Federal Regulations that dictate the dietary supplement GMPs, it basically has a laundry list of what that MMR and BBR have to have in them. Mm -hmm. 
Um, another central tenet of all GMPs is quality. Um, we need a check and balance type of system for quality. So quality is involved in the review and approve of everything throughout the entire process. So as, as I sort of stated earlier, you test at the end, and yes, that's very important, but really quality is built throughout the entirety of the process. Mm -hmm. And there is a group that's assigned to oversee all of those steps to make sure you're checking yourself and everything's working the way it's supposed to. You're complying with all those GMPs and filling out all the records and all that sort of stuff the way that you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Quality are the only ones that are actually allowed to release product underneath dietary supplement GMPs. Yeah, it makes sense. It takes a village to get things out the door if it's going to go right. into somebody's body. And, and I exactly. actually appreciate knowing that. So. <laughs> yeah, <yes. laughs> um, let's take our, uh, our last commercial break here, and then we'll come back and wrap up our chat with Dr. Couch. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. And we've been taking a deep dive into not another acronym, GMPs, MMRs, which sound very similar to SOPs. So, um, yeah, yeah, just alphabet soup. But um, as far as dietary supplements specifically, as cannabis products are be going to become more popular, I know I love my gummies. We're going to want more CBD. And actually, I love these CBN gummy gummies I found recently for sleep. They knock me out in like 10 minutes. It's amazing. Um, and other cannabinoid combination products like the one I just mentioned. And they come in tinctures, tablets, capsules, liquids, gummies, and some fuzzy lines on some other chocolate things. Um, let's quickly define the bucket here that there is a food regulation for edibles, a cosmetic right. regulation for makeup and skin topicals. Uh, yes, we need a flow chart for this. So we'll talk about that another time and get back to dietary supplement category products, specifically the best practices for dietary supplements, including challenges and lessons learned with those GMPs. What can be brought forward and applied to the cannabis industry today? Well, as we were just discussing, you know, some of the challenges that the, the dietary supplement in industry has seen with um, executing 21 CFR, which is the, the dietary supplement GMPs, you know, are that specifications and testing and the MMR BPR and the quality unit. And, and there has to be SOPs and processes around all of that, tons and tons of records around all of that. Um, so 
looking at the dietary supplement regulations, that can be a great place for the cannabis industry to start, to start right? Um, but like you mentioned, if, if your products are not dietary supplements and are our foods, then you have the Food Safety Modernization Act or FISMA, there's another, another acronym for you, <laughs> um, that requires all uh, a bunch of other types of requirements on the food side. So the FDA could, um, clearly pull these products into um, the FDA regulated space and put them in the right category. What of course has prevented them from doing that is uh, Epidiolex because that is an approved drug by the FDA and the FDA's um, underneath the Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act, the FDA cannot um, allow for products to be in foods and dietary supplements after they've been investigated as a new drug. And that's what happened for, for Epidiolex. There is a way um, in which they can carve this out for cannabis. It's something they, the FDA has not done before and they do tend to work at a very glacial pace. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's gonna take some time to do that, um, but there certainly is a means to do that. And that's what the cannabis industry has been pushing to do. So um, getting ahead of the game and being for these GMPs, um, they're, they're already available, and a lot of the state regulations are mirror the various regulations, whether it's the food regulations or the dietary supplement regulations. Um, all of these will make sure that you're, they're really good business practices uh, as well as ensuring the quality of your product. Absolutely. Thanks for breaking that down for sure. Well, in the meantime, uh, we are offering a lot of online education through NCIA, including lots on the topic of GMPs. It seems to be the hot topic uh, coming back from 2020 into 2021. Um, I mean, I guess we're sitting at home all the time. We may as well just document everything we're doing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but we are looking forward, hopefully, and of course, everything is up in the air to returning to quote unquote normal life um, and getting back to events, trade shows, right. expo floor, regional networking events, cocktail happy hours, all that fun stuff. We're hoping to have our next Cannabis Business Summit and Expo this August in San Francisco at the Moscone Center, as we had hoped last year <laughs> when all our plans were dashed away. But um, we're crossing our fingers, of course, a lot uh, matters on if, our, if, if this vaccination rollout is following good manufacturing practices, truly. <laughs> but... It also, I also would love to mention that NCIA's diversity, equity, and inclusion program is rolling. We have over 125 new NCIA members through our social equity applicant scholarship program. So we're excited about that and want to thank some of our sponsors of that program, Forefront Ventures and Greenbridge Corporate Council. So just check out our website if you're listening for more information about GMPs, for more information in general about upping your game in the cannabis industry and running your business better. And before we wrap up the show real quick, Tara, I made the joke about how there is an association for everything. <laughs> There's an association for associations. We're members. So I just, I, I, I like to talk about the concept of associations because it really does bring people together. And even when we're working remotely, lockdown, quarantine, separated, 
NCIA is still, you know, bringing people together in the digital sphere. I think I think you have uh, an appreciation for associations and uh, becoming a member of NCIA with the work you're doing seemed like a natural fit. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, especially now, um, but like you said, even, you know, to get together with conferences and stuff, which hopefully we'll be able to do again at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but allowing people to share the information and learn from one another, um, learn from experiences, um, you know, trials and errors. So everyone doesn't have to start from scratch and figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one thing about being a consultant um, that is, is always entertaining and I'm always learning things because, you know, I've seen lots of different ways to do things now besides just the world that I was in um, at the companies that I was in. You see how lots of different companies implement the GMPs and make them work for them. So what works for one size company doesn't necessarily work for another size company and size isn't certainly the only factor. So there's lots of other factors um, as well. So yes, absolutely participating in and being involved with associations is very helpful. There's lots of learning um, opportunities with them too. And you know, in order to implement any sort of GMP system, you've got to learn about what, what is that all about in the first place. Absolutely. Well, we've run out of time, but thank you so much for sharing some of your insight and wisdom. And where can people find more about you and your company? Oh, so uh, EISConsultingGroup.com. You can go to our website there. Um, For me, if you want to uh, email me directly, you're more than welcome to do that. And I'm at tcouch at EISConsultingGroup.com. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. And thanks everyone else for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.